Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at TCTF. Uh, you can subscribe, and please, if you haven't as yet, please do, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And look, we are sorry that our episode is coming out a day late. Um, Ish, why don't you let everybody in on uh, on why we're recording a day late? Because Apple decided to... Uh, y- uh, up, update a new uh, or upload, I should say, a new operating system that isn't compatible with a lot of things <laughs> that we use. So, uh, yeah, I was recording, and then about thirty minutes into it, I was like, "Yeah, this isn't picking up my mic," <laughs> and obviously, it's something I overlooked because it's something that has always just happened. I click right. record, uh, my mic is connected, and there we go. But no, I had to. Uh, I noticed it. When I randomly clicked on Audacity just to make sure everything was going good, and yeah. then nothing was being picked up. Like, it turns like out twenty minutes into our episode yeah. yesterday. So, and uh, you know, we should know, man, Catalina. Yeah, I know, Catalina right? wine mixer, man. <laughs> can't be prepared for that. Okay. Seriously. So we talked a little. We're going to rehash some of the stuff that we talked about yesterday. We're not going to go quite as in depth as we did maybe in our lost episode, as we might call it. Right. But, uh, but look, let's start. Chad Morris, okay? Mm-hmm. We have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, when when Chad Morris took the job, he was, and still is probably, the most popular man among Texas high school football coaches. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a little blown away with how bad that went. Yeah. God, it seemed like such a perfect fit, right? Right. Um, modern offense. Uh, region that he knows as far as like East Texas. Te- it's Arkansas feeding into Texas, right? Right, as, right, right. Uh, as far as that recruiting belt goes. And we'd seen Arkansas win in the, in recent history with a more modern offense, right? Sure. Under Petrino. And so you could look at, say, the Brett Bielema era and, and kind of attribute that more to, okay, they tried to do what Alabama did, a, probably a worse version of it. It wasn't going to work out. Yeah, okay, let's get the modern guy. Let's get the guy that, that that's the architect of what Clemson is right now, right? The offensive right, architect. Right, right, right. Um, because, you know, you look back, he took Clemson to another level. Yeah, like Taj Boyd, uh, Sammy Watkins, that was, right. his, that was his offense. Right. Uh, Dabo made the very smart decision to hire him from Tulsa, I believe, after he got the— or was it, I, think, I don't know if it was Sounds not Tulsa. Right. Hold up, I think it up. was Tulsa because I think he took over after Gus Malzahn yeah. or something. Sure. Um, but, yeah, from, from then obviously coming from Lake Travis uh, where he's still— you know, kind of established that as a as a quarterback factory, uh, just pumping out FBS level quarterbacks. So it's it just seemed like a perfect fit. Um, what he did at SMU as well, setting the stage for what Sonny Dykes is doing now. Right, right, right. Um, it a lot of it just made too much sense, and I think everyone was like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna be great, great, great hire." Well, I, I will say, man, it, it is it is wild to look at this, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, Chad Morris, obviously. Became a high school coach for the first time in 1994, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and through 2009, he he was the head coach of Stephenville for five-ish years. He was uh, at Lake Travis for only two years, which I did. I don't think I even realized that he was there for such a short amount of time um, before becoming assistant head coach and OC at Tulsa for one year. Mm-hmm. So he had one year of college coaching experience before Dabo took a chance on him. Yeah. So credit to Dabo Swinney, man. Yeah. That that dude will take some chances. Exactly. I think I think where. We you know we can talk about how much we we projected this move and kind of thought it would sure. work out, but I think when you look at what it actually was, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. I mean, winless in the SEC, yeah. Um, and the thing I think the thing that finally got the job done 
was that it didn't look like it was going to get better. The offense no. had not gotten better. The team looked like it had gotten worse from last year, which is not what you want to see. Recruiting has not gotten better. I believe uh, they're 13th right now, according to 247 Sports in the SEC. Yeah. Um, they're 55th nationally, and they're currently losing recruits, obviously, because, right. you know, right. that's what and, happens and with I coaching changes. And I will say his last year's class, the 2019 class, was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. And so, like, you kind of figured, okay, you know, see what happens. I know they got Jalen Catalan from te- uh, one of the uh, Texas's big recruits. Um from Mansfield Legacy going there, he's he's there now, and obviously they got his son Chandler Morris committed, mm-hmm. and so it's like, but but now you know you start looking, okay, what? Or aside, I should say, aside from Chandler Morris and a couple other guys, there wasn't that. There wasn't. I don't think there was that swoop of right. Texas guys that they were expected to get with Chad Morris with his connections, and you could say part of that is you know perhaps his reputation wasn't as good as he thought, or as far as I mean, I think goes. a big part is going to in time. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to get. The biggest thing is they didn't win and they looked bad. Right. So, and and I will say, hey man, you know, you look at you look at the SEC, right? And and just recruiting in that region in general is so difficult, right? Because mm-hmm. like Arkansas last year, twenty five commits was number twenty three in the country nationally, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. That's tenth in the SEC. Yeah, that's only ahead of Mississippi State, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Yep. So like, it's it's just such a hard situation in the first place, and I think that we're going to. Especially as A and M maybe starts to get a little better, uh, you know the Mississippi schools I think will bounce back uh, in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean Arkansas is only going to become a harder job, and and not that I mean again this isn't a school that we cover, but I mean is there anybody that kind of makes sense there right now? It's kind of hard to to tell. Yeah. Unless they go all out for Gus Malzahn, which is only going to make Gus Malzahn more money. I was about to say it's, it's definitely that they're definitely going to take a shot at that, um, right? And that's, they should. That's the rumor every yeah, year. Yeah, they should. Um, yeah, they should, especially if that's the guy that obviously they've wanted for a long time. Um, I will say this is going to probably make Arkansas fans uh, head spin, but uh, literally going right back to the school that they just yeah. got Chad Morris yeah. from and getting Sonny Dykes. Um, he has he has coaching experience in the Kentucky area, um, that as that deep South area. So like you know, yeah. Arkansas swings into that obviously for sure. Uh, but you cannot sell that again. They cannot go to the SMU again for another head coaching hire, despite how much it might make sense. I think the first your, their first call is going to be to Gus, regardless mm-hmm. what we say. Mm-hmm. I think they should look at Mike Norvell at, at Memphis. That should be their first call. Um, well, and uh, they, uh, after Gus, Gus, right, after right, Gus. and then you get Mike Norvell to say no. Yeah, and I think then after that, okay, then you start looking elsewhere, see what you got, um, because I mean, and, and this is uh, this is very much relevance to us, not because not just because Chad Morris, but I mean, Arkansas is Southwest Conference, right? There are yeah. plenty of people in Texas who f- are familiar with Arkansas playing as A uh, and M, playing Texas every year, and that's what they grew up watching. And so, right. I mean, this what happens with this program and where this program goes from here is of absolute relevance to you know us here. Yeah, yeah. One name I will bring up, uh, Billy Napier from Louisiana. That's that's not a bad one. Yeah, I, like I mean that. they they might just say that he's not ready as yet because sure. I mean there is an aspect of, you know he he rose up so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean he's only forty now, right? You know I mean so it might be a hey let's wait let's let you get another job before that. Yeah. But like man he has gotten that program on track real quick for sure. I got one more. Yeah. What about Bill Clark? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Think, I'm curious about what, I, what what he thinks of that position. I'm curious because it sure feels like Bill Clark is waiting for one of the Alabama Auburn, jobs to come up. Probably open. Auburn. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it feels like. You know, I, I don't think he'll ever. 
with the way it played out with UAB, I don't think yeah. he'll ever. I mean, granted, I don't think Alabama will look at him either. But <laughs> no. I, I don't think he'll ever even entertain the idea of going to Alabama sure. just because of sure, how sure, it ended sure. with you, what they tried to do. Auburn, I could definitely see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been an Alabama lifer, so right. that's the question. Right. Um, this isn't that far off. I mean, obviously coaching at Arkansas, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I would be curious. I mean, it would be a great hire. I mean, Bill Clark is as good a football coach as there is. Anyway, we are not uh, Dave Campbell's Arkansas football. We are Dave Campbell's sex football. So let's go ahead and get to the college power poll, starting with number 12. They were off this week, the Rice Owls. Um, look, honestly, the most notable thing that Rice has done this season so far is uh, – tank Baylor's opposing win percentage <laughs> I was looking at you know everybody's putting out like that well this is their record again or this is the record of teams that they face that are FBS programs yeah and like it's so funny with Baylor right uh because you know they played SFA who just is totally tanked mm-hmm. you know I mean and they're gonna be fine but like they totally tanked they actually yeah. won this weekend <laughs> but um but then they played Rice who again like has just totally tanked mm-hmm. and they're so they're good their good performance, their their good non-conference game was against UTSA, yeah. who has four wins, you know, and, and we'll get to them in a second. Actually, uh, no, we'll, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, so, yeah, Rice is basically going to be a footnote on this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number 11, UTEP. Oh, boy. Oh. Hey, look, you watch oh. that game. I have oh. quit. Oh. I've stopped worrying about that team. <laughs> so, so, UTEP goes up 21-7. to mm-hmm. um, and, and I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again today. Four first-half carries for Deion Hankins, two second-half carries, and guess what? They got outscored 21-0 to zero in the second half. I'm not saying it's a causation, but I am saying it's a causation. You, you, and, you and Greg put your, put your faith in this team, man. I, I was like, I, I will wait till that clock reads 0-0. Excuse, zero, me, excuse zero. me, did, it, did they cover? They absolutely hey, you covered. Know what? You know what? You're right. They've been a covering machine. They are a covering machine. No, I mean... Kyle Locks had a really good game. Like oh, yeah, he, for he sure. Legitimately, he had over 300 total yards, three mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, he was he was really good. This was probably the best game that he's played at UTEP. But yeah. oh, oh man, you just gotta you gotta get one more stop. You gotta score one more point. Like it's just oh man, <laughs> oh man. We'll now see. there are opportunities left because they still play Rice and they still play New Mexico State. Yeah, two opportunities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They got two opportunities for wins left. Just give me one of them, man. <laughs> just give me one of them, please. Okay. Well, it can't come against. Uh, it can't come against Rice because they already, you know, UTEP already got the win, so that needs to go to Rice. So they, need, they just true. need to beat their right. rivals. Yeah, New yeah. Beat State. New Mexico State. New Mexico State, I think, is winless too. I think so. Which is why. Yeah, they are. Okay. Which, so which, cool. So get way, it against New Mexico State. Which, by the way, when when people post those stats about uh, about Baylor's opposing teams that they played against record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's is also tanked by playing 0-9 <laughs> New Mexico State. That is true, man. <laughs> by the way, according to ESPN's uh, matchup predictor, New Mexico State is a 67% oh, God. favorite. God. God. Winless New Mexico State. Uh, number 10, UTSA. Yeah. Uh, they did it. They won the football game. They did. Um, they were underdogs going, coming into this game, which was always a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, UTSA has is to it? be... Well, <laughs> UTSA, UTSA has to be the only program in modern college football to be an underdog two separate times against teams without an FBS win, right? Ooh, because that's that is re- that's a good question. Because that's wild. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, and the the Rice one made sense. The Old Dominion one kind of made sense. It was it was a big. I don't effect. know, but the Rice one they were at home against Rice. I don't they think were that, I don't think that Rice. I don't think that did make sense. Yeah, but that that was when we were like, all right, oh, this, we were kind of high on Rice. Right, at that th- point. this yeah. was the. First, okay, they're not playing like 
an awesome team. Right, right, Because they right. played, like, Louisiana Tech and took them to overtime, maybe even the week before That's that. That's true. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. So um, I think that they played Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss and mm. then went to play UTSA after that crazy non-conference schedule. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but two games against uh, against teams without an FBS win, and they are 2-0 against them. So, there you go. You know? Cool. Moving up. Uh, <laughs> wait, I guess they were favored against UTEP, so... I think I think they were. Yeah, they were. They were. So, so I, that would have been pretty wild to have three games being underdogs against winless FBS. Teams. <laughs> and I mean, you know, as much as we rode UTSA off this year, yeah, they got four wins. They got four wins, and I don't know where they get the fifth and sixth, but they yeah. got four wins, and because they got Southern Miss, they have Southern Miss, yeah. they have FAU, and yeah. they go at La Tech. Oh god! So that's, I mean, they're not going bowling because they're not getting two wins from that. No, but they're not. They're four not. wins. That's about where we had them. Maybe even one win better. Maybe. Yeah. So. And I mean, look, I, I said this going into the game. Sincere McCormick has to be the best player on the field, and Sincere McCormick was. was the best player on the field. So now I got to ask you: if they take one of these next three, does Wilson stay around? <sighs> it depends how they perform. I think in all three of them, I, I think it's probably over. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is probably just because I mean what this is year four for Wilson maybe yes so so I mean it's this isn't like early yeah you know I mean I don't exactly it's I, a full I, recruiting cycle right and I don't know exactly how uh, where where Wilson in, is in his contract mm-hmm. necessarily um, now the one thing that I'll always say with UTSA is that they schedule tough in non conference and you know they always have power five teams they have two this year you know they had A and M and Baylor. And that's always going to make the job a lot harder, you know, because if if you schedule not nobody's but not much is, then you know you maybe get two extra wins and you're maybe going to a bowl, right? Yeah. Um, you know, which obviously at UTSA it makes sense while you're trying to get the, that payout too when you're trying to build a program, but mm-hmm. it makes things a lot harder. And um, you know, but I I think that he signed a he signed an extension in 2017, so he's through 2021, so they would be paying something. Okay. Okay. I twenty twenty one is not that long. Yeah, it might be enough to eat up. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that they have some stipulations. So, I don't know. I mean, I I think that they've probably mentally moved on from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which again, we like Frank Wilson a whole lot. Yeah. You know, we we he's gonna land on his feet somewhere. He is. He absolutely is. Hey man, get back on that LSU staff. Oh that's my god, a, that's a train that's rolling <laughs> right now. Seriously. Um. Okay. Number nine, Texas State. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's a win. They won the game. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't watch how or the fact that they were relying on uh, South Alabama's kicker to miss a chip shot field goal. Correct. In crunch time. Correct. Um, just watch the gif of Jake Spavadol celebrating and pumping his fist. That yes, he pumping escaped. his fist that they missed a field goal. Yes, so, they yeah. that that was a fist pump of relief. <laughs> that was absolutely. Oh, he was like, oh, yeah, oh my gosh, seriously. That's I mean, we were all fist pumping at that point because yeah, um, it wasn't pretty. But he he brought up a good point. Was that was the first time where Texas State kind of played complementary football? Yeah, um, the defense was solid as yeah. it's always been. But this time the offense was holding its own weight, and then when mm-hmm. the defense broke late, yeah. the offense was able to sustain drives, yeah. give them rest. Uh, Tyler Vitt had his best game of his Texas State career, his Easily. first win ever. Yes, and not and, not yeah yeah. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and and when we say first win ever, right? Like we're not talking about as a starting quarterback. Yeah. This is the first win that Tyler Vitt has ever had. Ever appearing in a Texas State game? Yeah, that's ridiculous. How is it? How is it even possible? Like, I have no idea. Like, did he never appear against like Nichols? Did he never? Like, I, I, I guess not. It is wild because oh, uh, 
Because, yeah, it seems like he's been there for like three years, and he's only been there for going on two. Right. Um, so, yeah, he threw for 373, three touchdowns, 23 right. of 33 passing. Right. Uh, finished with it, almost 85 QBR, like a really yeah. all-around great game from him. No, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, exactly. This was these, this was finally, this in the Wyoming game, I guess you can look yeah. at it as like, okay, here's the Jake Spavadol offense, the Bob Stitt offense. Right. One of the other stats that I liked, uh, Hutch White, 10 catches, 165 yards. The most ever by a Texas State receiver – since they moved up to FBS. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I know that they they haven't obviously had, like, crazy passing offenses necessarily yeah. since they've been up here, but... Sure. You figured one game is like, oh, yeah, that receiver yeah. got one 170 or something. Right, <laughs> or like, oh, you know, we caught 11 for 101. You right. Know? <laughs> like right. Just one of those deals, but nope, nope. So, uh, Texas State. Um, I think we t- talked about this yesterday, but... Uh, but sticking firm, I think that they're just like uh, memorially number nine, yeah. you know, because they're they're clearly better than like UTSA right now. But they're clearly worse than North Texas, right. who's number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so so Mason Fine sustained a concussion mm-hmm. against Louisiana Tech, and we don't necessarily know if he's going to be back at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I a concussion sucks. They're lucky they have a bye this week. Right. They have Rice after that, so they'll probably start Asanani or Jason Bean in one of those games. Uh, and then they finish up with UAB, and they would really like to have Mason Fine for UAB because this isn't a great UAB team. It's a good UAB team, mm-hmm. but they're playing at home on senior day. You'd love for Mason to be able to get his moment on senior day. you know, And they'd need him to be able to get to a bowl game because right now they're 4-5. and five. They have to win one of these last two. Mm-hmm. Just have it shot, right? Yeah. Like, that's not even... It's obviously not even counting the possibility of them missing a bowl game, um, despite getting the six wins. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just, mm. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, you you want to maybe as a precaution they hold him out from Rice anyway. Yeah, um, I think you probably have to. You probably think you probably have to. So give him two weeks to recover and then see where he's at um, going into U- going at UAB in a huge game for them. Um but yeah, it would it would just really really stink if the last we see of Mason Fine is, you know, him being concussed and having to be taken out of the game. Right. In a 52-17 game. Right. That would oh man, it sucks. This has been a bad year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, number 7 Houston. Um they were off this week. Not a whole lot to say about them. They have clearly been better than uh than UNT the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and um you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but they have other than that UConn game where uh, Clayton Toon didn't play, they've generally been pretty solid. Because mm-hmm. they have... God, their schedule sucks, man. Their <laughs> schedule is so bad. Because, okay, so since uh, Derek King red- started redshirting after the Tulane game, since mm-hmm. then, they played at UNT, which they won. But then they played number 25 Cincinnati. They had a respite against UConn. Then number 16 SMU, UCF, Memphis, Tulsa, Navy. Like, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. That's yeah. really bad. It, I mean, are you kidding me? And they they played SMU really close. Like they maybe should have won that ball game. Right. Uh, they played UCF pretty well. They were up at the half in that game. Um, and and you know Cincinnati they played tough, but now they've still got two ranked teams remaining on the schedule. And the one game that you have against a not ranked team is against Tulsa, who basically beat both SMU and Memphis, mm-hmm. and then actually did take the time to go beat UCF. Yeah. Like. Tulsa low key 
is like one of the unluckiest teams in America right now. Yeah, it's they've it's been bad. Uh, them and I mean we'll get to them later, but them and ECU. Yeah, it's kind of been the same thing where they're just they just go nuclear on these good teams and right. they just happen to fall short. Right, and then against teams that they probably should be, they're you know they're toiling around and not winning games. Right. Well, because it's like they and even even you look at Tulsa, like they played Oklahoma State well yeah. early in the year. Like if if they had pulled off wins against SMU and Memphis, mm-hmm. they'd be five and five right now, and probably have a shot at the conference, uh, like the division title. Yep. Oh man, yeah. It's the AAC. I know that we talk about it a lot here. Mm-hmm. I still don't think they get enough credit nationally for how good they are this year. Oh, for sure. I think I'll tell you what the problem is. Yeah. It's because they haven't had. People thought Tom Herman would be this. Right. They haven't had that head coaching superstar breakout to sure. be like, ah, yes, that's what. Right, we're seeing Scott Frost kind of right. you know, take a step back in Nebraska. Tom Herman's having a rough third year, even though yeah. he prob- even though he's probably still going to be fine at Texas. Um, they haven't had that coaching breakout. That means yeah. where'd he come from? Oh, right, he right. came from this place, and they're you know. It's always been kind of this contained bubble of success, whether it's UCF, Houston, and sure. Herman, uh, SMU now, where it's like they're contained in their own bubble of being right. good in the AAC. And then when they get out, Fuente, right? We're seeing Justin yeah. oh, Justin Fuente right now at well, Virginia even Tech. Taggart. And Taggart as well. You know, so, so it's like there's so many head coaches that come out that like, yeah, oh yeah, AAC. And then right. they just can't blossom anywhere else. I'm curious to see whether, uh, well, Norvell probably could be that guy. I feel like, Yeah, I feel like if Norvell can't, then there just might be a curse the, on the AAC other guy, coaches. The other guy who I might bring up is Luke Fickle. I think yeah, that he can be a good, a good coach one. somewhere. That's if he can get one. sort of a Midwestern job somewhere. So. Yeah. But, but I mean, you look at, especially, I mean... It's a deep conference, man. It's a it's, really deep conference. It's like, here, let me pull up uh, the standings real quick. Especially the West. Mm-hmm. The West is absolutely insane. Because, you know who's in last place in the West? It's Tulsa. They're 1-5 in five in conference. They're 1-1 one over beat, UCF. Yeah, I was about to say, they can beat any team in right. that division. And uh, we got a two-way tie for the top. With Navy and SMU, mm-hmm. because Memphis has played one less conference game. Mm-hmm. So then there's Memphis with also one loss, Tulane with two losses, and then there's Houston and Tulsa at the bottom. And both of those teams have given both all those other teams a whole bunch of trouble. Then even on the other side, it's like Cincy, UCF, Temple. Like South Florida is not good, mm-hmm. but they're not bad. And then it's like, again, East Carolina, who's given a couple teams a scare this year. Yeah. And like the one real bad team is UConn, but like all of those other teams... Even if you want to take East Carolina out of that, too. Right. Like, you're talking about 10 solid teams out of 12. And, and how many of them are have been ranked at some point in this year? Like, Navy, SMU, Memphis, uh, Cincinnati, UCF. And uh, Temple was, like, borderline. Tulane was borderline at one point. Like, yeah. this is a good conference. Yeah. This is, it's, oh, man, it's yeah. really it, great. <laughs> give us some damn respect. Seriously. My God. All right. <laughs> Texas Tech. Uh, so they they bounce back. Jet mm-hmm. Tuffy has looked a lot better this year. Really, really, really good. Um, yeah. We knew West Virginia would, was feisty. I don't want to say they were good, but they were definitely feisty. Yeah. Um, I was wor- I was worried about this game. I'll admit, in Morgantown. Oh, I was. Yeah, in Morgantown, uh, Texas Tech was coming off a rough uh, loss to Kansas. Yeah. Uh, actually, three straight losses. Yeah. Um, kind of in their own different frustrating ways. Um, and so. Yeah, I was. Really I hope wor- you can't hear that cursed window. Yeah, it's like really, really windy. I don't, I don't think they can. But I don't think so. But, it's really uh, haunting. but if, if you are hearing something, <laughs> oh, we apologize. Sounds really haunting. Um, but anyway, Halloween is over. <laughs> but yeah, so Jet Duffy, man, 
it just further shows that this offense has done something different for him. Yeah. Um, another great game, 350 yards, only one touchdown, but he was just moving the ball around, mm-hmm, spreading mm-hmm. it around to everybody. Uh, 70% completion. That's um, great. Yeah, he's 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 at sixty eight percent completion this year, ten touchdowns to two picks. Yeah, that is what you want to see. That's the Jet Duffy that we saw coming out of right. Lakeridge that we thought was going to man this Tech offense mm-hmm. for good. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just handled West Virginia. Really didn't look like uh, Tech was even trying that hard at times. Yeah. Uh, I saw from the SB Nation um, uh, West Virginia page. That said, uh, text text running five plays and they're all working, and so it just seems like they're just rolling the dice against. Like, yeah. oh yeah, run that one again. Yeah, and it was it was all working. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is kind of interesting because, I mean, they just did such a good job of putting the game away early, yeah. right? Because they went up twenty eight to three early <laughs> in the second quarter, and like, you know, I mean, West Virginia threw for a bunch of yards. I think they ended up between their two quarterbacks going for nearly five hundred yards, yeah. but like, none of it mattered, right? You know, I mean, the game was over. By the way, Jared Dagey on the game as well. So. Yeah, Jared Dagey <laughs> did get in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know that it's probably like the connections make sense, but mm-hmm. but obviously Jared Dagey, who starred obviously at Lubbock Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother, obviously Seth Dagey, mm-hmm. who played at Texas Tech, yep. the team that they played this week for Neil Brown, who's now the head coach of West Virginia. So yep. that's how that connection came <laughs> about. Uh, Dagey was actually uh, Jared Dagey was actually at Bowling Green for a while, and mm-hmm. we actually yes. we actually had him um, as our like top. Texas-born player in the MAC in our magazine, mm-hmm. and I was going to put him in again this year, and then he transferred over the <laughs> offseason. I, I think we, I think we replaced him. I honestly don't even remember. Well, I have to say, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. Never opened that magazine again. <laughs> but um, Dagey looked pretty good. But yeah. uh, but again, game was completely over. And yeah. look, I mean, Texas Tech is not that far away from being a good team, mm-hmm. despite all their depth issues. Which I mean, I might have to write about <laughs> in the next week or two because. They do not have a deep roster at all. No. They, you know, they've only got a couple of guys at certain key positions, but they have done a good job this year. Um, you know, I, I think that some people thought that after Tech lost to Kansas that that was it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're a good team. They're a really good team. So I'm curious to see what they can do the next couple of weeks because uh, they still have a couple interesting games. I mean, they got TCU left, who we'll get to in just a second. They got Kansas State, uh, both of those games at home. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Texas. So, like, I think it's perfectly conceivable for them to split those next two games against TCU or Kansas State at home. And then, you know, then you go to Texas on Black Friday with a chance to make a bowl game. And, uh, you know, it's the name I brought up yesterday. Nick Shimanek ended up leading them to a 6-6 six and six, uh, win over Texas, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago. And yep. obviously Jet Duffy's better than Nick Shimanek. So, I mean, obviously we don't. We're not going to pick Tech to beat Texas right, by any right. means on the road. But, but it's like, interesting. I mean, where, it's where there. both teams are right now, yeah. um, where TCU is right now, yeah. we'll, like they're there for the picking, man. Kansas State's not unbeatable. Right? No, no, so no, no, no. I, I think, I think we wrote, we might have wrote off Tech um, how last year ended yeah. when Alan Bowman went out. and But, I mean, they've done nothing but prove us wrong. Well, and look, and I said this earlier in the year, right, because if, if they beat Arizona earlier this year mm-hmm. and if they can handle Kansas – the way that we're talking about this team is so different. Like they're bowl eligible right now, yeah. right, with three games left, yep. um, and those are games that they should have had. You know, not not just could have had that they should have had. had. Yeah. So, you know, this is a good football team. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, moving on to to TCU. Uh, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> what to say about it? Where do we start with this game? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so so TCU. I, I think the place to start is that they put in a lot of young guys. Mm-hmm. They put in a lot mm-hmm. of guys who I don't think that a lot of us had even not that we hadn't heard of before, but considered 
Right. right. Uh, yeah, just um, considered playing. You know, so like one guy who they put in uh, at defensive back was Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he only finished with four tackles, but he made a big impact on this football game. Yep. Um, you know, Ben Wilson, they put in that linebacker more full time. Uh, your boy from Manor, uh, Sean Mathis, <laughs> he got in finally kind of, well, he, he's been in all year, but he finally yeah. kind of looked like what Gary Patterson was talking about right. all off season long. Um, you know, he finished with two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, it, it really was a youth movement in a lot of ways on defense and a big part of it was just injuries, mm-hmm. but they, those young guys played well. They played yeah. hard. Yeah. And one thing that you worry about with young players is their ability to tackle in space, but that really wasn't an issue on mm. Saturday against Baylor. No, no, it was it was a grind. It was played in a phone booth. Yeah, right. Like it was wild. That I loved the commentary that everyone kind of noticed. It was like, yeah, this is like this is nine to six or yeah. nine to three, and like Bama and LSU were lighting it up. <laughs> and it, on it CBS, was nine nine at the end of regulation, and Bama yeah. LSU was forty six forty one at the end of regulation. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, wait, what happened here? When, why is this being played in the phone booth, right. and that one's being played in space? So these, you know, crazy fun offenses. So right. it, it's just wild how <laughs> the switches have flipped in like five or six years. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I mean, golly. Baylor just knows how to win these close games. They know when they're not playing well. Yeah. They know how to muck up the game. Yeah. And it's like TC was like, yeah, let's get dirty. And Baylor's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> let's get let's get dirty. Yeah. It was like, oh, we're gonna go in the dirt now. Like that's well, a, that's how Baylor's won these games all year. Yeah, and, and it is wild because like the big shock to me, the big moment where I was like, oh my God, was when Baylor hit a fifty one yard field goal. Yeah. Because <laughs> their field goal kicker it was not supposed to be the field goal kicker this year necessarily. Yeah. So last year in the bowl game, Connor Martin, who was their pretty solid kicker, got hurt. Mm-hmm. He tore his ACL. And so the mayors had to come in and kick his first ever extra point. So he had never hit a field goal until the game winner at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And now he's hit a game winner and a game tying fifty one yarder. Yeah. Like that is ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and and actually we'll get to Baylor in a second. Uh mm-hmm. Max Duggan, the numbers aren't good. Yeah. But he was. I mean, Baylor's defense really good. Yeah. Like Baylor's defense is awesome. Yeah, and and, and yeah. look, if they were creating offense, TCU, like mm-hmm. it was Max Duggan just doing things. Right. So Alana Lua wasn't getting wasn't getting no. space. Um, Darius Anderson wasn't getting space. No. It was Max. Like we, again, surprise when you have a freshman quarterback going against a really really right. good defense, one of the best in the country. He's gonna make mistakes, right. especially when he's the only one doing anything. Right. And and I mean, you know, you see the you see the final number. It's like you know, one forty yards. One touchdown, three interceptions. Yeah. One of those interceptions was on the last play of the game. Like, right. like fourth down, the game is over if you don't throw a touchdown. Right. Obviously, you forced something there. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them, one of them was just a bad throw. I yeah. Mean, you know. Yeah. The one on the sideline, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. In, the first, um, in the first quarter, second yeah. quarter, I can't remember. And, the, and then the other one, just the linebacker made a play. You yeah. Know, so I mean, it looks bad. Right. But like. Max Duggan was the only reason they were in this game. Right. You know, on offense. On yeah. offense. Obviously I believe one of them good. actually bounced off. Bounced You're right. Through the that hand. was the linebacker one. It, it yeah. bounced off of uh it wasn't Rager's. No, it was Alana Lewis' hands. Yeah. It, it bounced off of his hands and right into uh into Terrell Bernard's hands. Yeah, so only one of them was really a bad throw. Right, right, so. right. So yeah, the Graylin Arnold one, he just saw it late. And also, I mean Graylin Arnold just saw that happening. Yeah, I was about and, to say he just jumped that. Right. And actually, you know, Graylin Arnold finished with two interceptions in that game. <laughs> but um but you know, TCU same deal. You know, they're not dead by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got a couple of tough games left. You know, they still have to go to Oklahoma. But then, you know, they're 4-5. and five. They have to win at Tech and versus West Virginia. 
And I mean, Tech's going to be tough because they're both playing for bowl eligibility. And West Virginia's winnable, obviously, at home. For sure. Um, Oklahoma's going to be the tough one, but we've seen Oklahoma struggle in random games against teams they should beat. Sure, sure. So, you know, I mean, I don't think that... Like, obviously, it's been a tough year. Mm -hmm. It's been a tough year, and I don't necessarily know that it's going to get a lot easier. But, um, you know, I think that the big thing is that if you can keep Duggan healthy heading forward, Mm -hmm. I think you have your quarterback. Uh, And, obviously, I would be pretty surprised if this offseason, if they don't have a new guy calling plays for them as well. So, moving up to number four, Texas A&M. They were off this week. Uh, But, I mean, look, they are 6-3. and They're bowl eligible. And, you know, but the issue is... Now you got to play against George and you got to play against LSU. This was, yeah, it gets back to the, uh, I, I think somebody on Twitter brought this up. Has a team played three number one teams in the same year? <laughs> I, um, well, here's the deal. Actually, well, I guess it depends on the timing. South Carolina will play all of those teams. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I don't, I don't think year, they, they won't all be number one at the time. NMs played them all when they were number one. When they were ranked number one, I, that, right? That hasn't happened, right? I, I can't imagine. I cannot think that that's happened because obviously they played Clemson, they played Alabama, and they're gonna. I mean, LSU should be number one by the time they play them as well. They will. They will. Um, so, golly, I don't know if that's happened. And I knew we, we we knew the schedule would be tough. Yeah. But the fact that LSU is a lot better than we yeah. thought they were gonna be, and then obviously. Auburn was better than we thought they were going to be. Like it somehow the toughest schedule in the country got worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny too because I mean, just talking to people, yeah. you know, who are A and M fans and stuff like that too. There was sort of a feeling that all right, last game of last year, mm-hmm. we caught up to LSU. Right. We are on the same level now. All right, here we go. Now LSU is going to be looking like yeah, you remember that fight last year? <laughs> <laughs> that game is going to suck. <laughs> They're going to run up these scores so much. They, they might get back. No, I'm just kidding. I, I was going to say they might get back to 74, but I don't know if they'll do it. Oh, my but, God. No, but no, no, no seriously, like, because LSU is going to be looking for style points to make sure they hold on to that number one spot. Yeah, like, it's, it's just a be- bad matchup, too, because yeah. you know, a has been kind of bad in the secondary this year. Yeah. And especially now if, uh, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which is the most LSU-sounding running back of all oh time. Oh, my God, it's great. Um, I guess Leonard Fournette is pretty up there, too. (laughs) All of their players, man. (laughs) All of them. Even their ones who aren't from Louisiana sound like they're from Louisiana. Bad Moss. Joe Burrow. Like, are you kidding me? But, but, yeah, that's going to be... We we don't need to think about that quite as yet. They've they've got the fighting must champs this week, but yeah. um, you know. who just lost to App State, by the way. By the way, App's, fun fact: App State uh, champions of the Carolinas. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know, man. You got to beat East Carolina. Yeah, that, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Got to beat East Carolina. Have a fair shot. enough. So, uh, okay, so Texas beat Kansas State, number sixteen. Kansas State now. Why? Why was Kansas State number sixteen? I mean, I just don't know that I totally understand that. I don't know. It seemed like one of those moves to try and pad other people's resumes. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I ah, put Kansas State at seven. At well, 16. Oklahoma's loss isn't that bad, actually. Right? It's actually the number sixteen, Kansas <laughs> yeah, State. So, so uh, you know, Oklahoma's uh, number eight in the country. I mean, Keep in mind that no, don't pay no mind that Kansas State struggled with a bad Mississippi State team. <sighs> I, I, we'll get to that in a second. I, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's just I, I can't do these playoff rankings, man. Right. I just can't do right. them. Right. Uh, but Texas look pretty good. I mean, they... They look fine. I mean, their defense, it's it's young, it's bad right now. Like, yeah, sure, it's they, good. I don't know. They blitz on third down. So many, so much. A lot. So much. For a team that's... <laughs> that's that, not that's good the, enough in the That's the one thing I will give fans who complain about Todd Orlando right. this season. Right, we're very we're, predictable. Me and, you, me and you are still very much yeah. acknowledge that Todd Orlando is a good coordinator. Texas fans probably do not right now. Yeah. But that's this is the one thing I will side with them on their frustrations. Yeah. 
he blitzes on third down way too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> For a young, banged-up secondary, right. you cannot leave them out to dry and send six, seven dudes at the quarterback. Right, right, right. Um, Colin Johnson had one of his best games as Longhorn. Yeah. Um, you know, he was targeted seven times. He caught seven balls for 110 yards. Like, that's what Colin Johnson should be every single mm-hmm. week. The offensive line did a good job of clearing space. Uh, Keontae Ingram was kind of finally able to get free. This this is what you, I think, kind of hoped for uh, as a Tex fan. Again, for, for me, that's why seven points, uh, seven point favorites was absurd. Right. Just absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But this incarnation of Texas, guess what? It's... It's not as good as we thought, potentially. It's a step back from last year, sure, but they lost a lot. Yeah. Like, as far as this incarnation of Texas goes, that's the kind of win that I'm okay, like, I'm okay with. Like, yeah, you could say, like, oh, man, Kent State's offense was running wild in the first half. And they were. They were. But, like... I don't know. Like that's this is where they are right now this season. Yeah. Like Kansas State is on the level of Texas this season, yeah. talent wise. Yeah. Or at yeah. least experience and execution wise on, right. on the field. Right, right. So, so I don't know. Yeah. By the way, wrong. Devin Duvernay, he's making himself a lot of money in the NFL because man, he has found a niche. Right. Yeah. I I remember. I mean, gosh, heading into this year, I was talking to people about just how how Duvernay just hasn't done it. Yeah. You know, I I was like. Man, because because remember he was also part of that uh, that class that was going to go to Baylor and, and uh-huh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and so it was like it was my thought process for like the first years of his career was like man, I wish that we saw him used correctly and yeah. finally, we're, finally we're seeing it happen. That, slot, that, that dude's going to be a finds, slot dude in the NFL forever. He finds space and he just knows how to get open, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, he's a really good player. Um, okay, so SMU's defense is a real issue. Oh my gosh! What everyone was paying what? attention to that TCU Baylor game, oh. and I'm like, yo, SMU's getting lit up over here by Eastern. They, they played the opposite football game. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was losing my mind because I'm like, y'all realize Holden Dollars is almost the for 500 yards, no picks, which, six touchdowns against SMU. Which, by the way, this is kind of weird. Yeah. So, Allers threw for over 500 yards last week against Cincinnati. Yeah. He's, he's pretty good. I, I remember specifically yeah. saying in the midweek, yeah, he's not going to throw for 500 yards against SMU. Well, you're right. <laughs> I, did for I was right. I was right. Only by uh, two yards. But, <laughs> yeah, I looked over. I was like, man. Because I was getting – yeah. I mean, TCU, Baylor was fun and yeah. weird. But I was also like, all right, this is staying 9-3 for a while. So I yeah. just flipped over. And I'm like, yo, what is happening right, with this right, game? Right, why right. is SMU – or why is Eastern Carolina setting uh, Gerald Ford Field on fire? Yeah, I, I don't know. What's got it's Gerald into Ford Field? It's not Gerald Ford Field. Or no, it is. Sorry. It is Gerald it's, yeah, sorry. That's it's not, not that Gerald Ford. Fun, yeah, fun, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think Chris Vanini from The Athletic put it this way. Was it Chris Vanini or was it Alex Kirchner? I don't know. Whatever. Um, it's Gerald Ford, but not that uh, yeah, Gerald yeah. Ford. There was, uh, the field is Gerald Ford, Ford Field after another rich guy named Gerald Ford. <laughs> an unrelated <laughs> rich Gerald Ford. Anyway, oh, point man. being, ECU was lighting that field on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what has gotten into Allers the last two weeks uh, because – Let's see, before this game, I mean, they lost to USF. He yeah. threw for, you know, 200-something yards. Yeah, You know, he had a good game against UCF. He's actually, okay, Allers has three 300-yard games this year. Mm-hmm. UCF, Cincinnati, SMU. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that just, dude. Big game Allers, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's and, what they call Oh, it. man. And, like, they have a 25-point loss to USF on the schedule. They have a 32-point <laughs> loss to Navy on the schedule. Oh like, they have a three-point win over Old Dominion on the schedule. And that dude Heck just yeah. went out against the three-ranked bonus was like, man, I'm putting it all out here today. <laughs> I do not give a damn. You know what the weird thing about this is? Like, 
Mike Houston isn't known for offense. Yeah. Like his James Madison teams were, they were known for, well, one, he's a defensive coordinator. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, defensive right. Coordinator. And his James Madison teams were, were the reason why they were successful is because uh, they had a great offense, but yeah. their defense was terrible, and Mike Houston came in and made their defense solid. So the fact that Allers is just lighting it up and they're opening right. up the offense in these past couple weeks has been wild. Yeah, it's it's really weird, yeah. honestly. But yeah, no, I agree. Like, SMU's defense, it looks like a problem. Yeah. Um, because I, I, all year long, yeah. I had been very forward in, in saying, like, SMU's defense has been the better unit for the two years that Sonny Dykes has been there. Easily. Easily. It's been the consistent one for right, sure. Right, right. And so I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just injuries catching up. I don't know if it's depth catching up. I don't know if it's just that teams are starting to figure it out. I don't know what it is exactly. Yeah. Um. And, and look, I mean, it's two games like at the end of the day. So it's not like it's it's not like it's disastrous by any means. Right. But it's something that we got to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say on the other side of the ball, in East Carolina, not a good defense. No. But uh, – you know, when I was putting together all Texas college team, I'm like, who do I even put on from this game? Because Shane Bichelle, 414 and five touchdowns. Xavier Jones, 20 carries for 157 yards, three touchdowns. James Prochet, 14 carries for 167 yards, two touchdowns. Kylan Granson, their tight end, seven catches, 138 yards, three touchdowns. Like, where do I even go with that? <laughs> I ended up going with Prochet. Okay. Um, I, I try not to put more than one guy from a team unless it's like, just a crazy like right. th- this is a crazy numbers game right. this is not a crazy good win right, right, right. um you know and so uh yeah it, it was it was i, I ended up picking pro shake it's 14 catches is ridiculous yeah um and and also there were i mean I, I had to put sincere mccormick on it because he won that game for for utsa against old dominion mm-hmm. on that last drive against uh, against old dominion yeah. they gave the ball to sincere mccormick seven times in 14 plays yeah like they were, <laughs> they were just like, all right, man. You know, hey, big dog, if, take us home. If we're going to win, <laughs> it's going to be you. Right. So, Hey, by the way, a uh, former high school kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. who was playing in the playoffs last year right, carried right, his right. FBS program to a win. Was at prom like eight months ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now win us an FBS football game. And he did. Yeah. Okay. The Baylor Bears. They mm-hmm. are number one. Uh, I will go on my short little soapbox about the playoff rankings. Um I don't understand why Baylor is behind two two-loss teams, why they're behind Oklahoma when uh, – here's my issue with this whole deal, right? You know, we talked yeah. about like, oh, well, you know, Baylor's not conference, stuff like that, whatever. And that's that's perfectly mm-hmm. fair. But, like, do we really learn more from Oklahoma playing UCLA than we do from Oklahoma playing Kansas State? Yeah. You know, and Baylor went and beat two teams that were ranked last week. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so – it's not like they haven't played anyone, period. Like, right. across the board, their non-conference schedule is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's defending that. But they also have played a very tough conference schedule so far with, again, two teams that were ranked last week mm-hmm. um, and a whole bunch of teams that have been ranked at other times in the year, like Iowa State. Right. So it's not like they've played nobody. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, again, I have to get to the point where I just don't care about this because yeah. I... I I managed to get there the past couple of years, and now all of a sudden we're back in this, and you know SMU's number twenty-five behind, you know Navy and yeah. stuff like that, and all of a sudden I got to start talking about this again. Yeah, it's you know what the frustrating part about this is. Yeah, uh, Minnesota's gonna jump them. Oh, absolutely! And they have an inside track to the playoff. Obviously, that includes beating Ohio State, which right, is right, right. gonna be hard. Well, and probably I, not gonna happen. But I mean, they have they have Iowa. 18, and they have 13th Wisconsin. Right. Minnesota, who for a while had no quality wins, sure. zero. I mean, literally, I'm trying to look at their quality. It might be before they beat Penn State. Yeah. 
Illinois? <laughs> hey, that is bullbound Illinois. That, that exactly it is, but that might be their best win because uh, Southern yeah. Georgia Southern hasn't been great. Fresno State have they been good this year? I have no idea. Mm, they've only been okay. But Minnesota's had a worse resume than Baylor. But they beat Penn State. Boom! They're probably going to yeah. jump up right there. Well, they jumped up to number seven in the AP. Which, which to be clear, no, that, we're not we're not saying anything bad against Minnesota. No, no, right? no Minnesota's it, earned that right. right. They've been undefeated. Baylor should be right there with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, because because. Everybody talks about sort of their schedule across the board. Like yeah. Everybody being, brings up like the opposing uh, record of FDS members, basically, right? Yeah. And, and again, Baylor played UTSA and Rice in non-conference. That's that's like that's bad. Mm-hmm. But the other thing too that I kind of come back to is like, okay, Alabama played Southern Miss in the non-conference, right? Right. Who's a much better team, obviously, mm-hmm. than those other two teams that they played in this what probably like seven and two right now. Um, like, do you really learn more from them playing a good CUSA team? than we do than them playing like actual power five opponents right i don't know i mean it's, it just seems like a little galaxy beer. like it's one thing for for like ohio state like ohio state played cincinnati and killed them that means something mm-hmm. right that's a really good team yeah but if you're just gonna be like we played the best sunbelt team that's yeah. not app state you know right. like all right <laughs> i don't know yeah it's like this isn't a baylor team that's played nobody right exactly exactly they've played a solid kansas state team yeah a texas tech team that's really solid um and Oklahoma State team that's Oklahoma ranked State, right now. Right, ranked. And I mean, yes, you could say, oh, they're struggling against West Virginia. Sure, okay, but West Virginia is feisty, as we've seen yeah. all year. They've yeah. given a bunch of teams uh cool. run. TCU, that's always a crazy game. Yeah. Guess what? TCU's one of the probably the best coach team in the Big Twelve. Right. Like, right. Uh, these aren't nobodies. And again, we're gonna see this weekend, right? right? Obviously we're gonna see this weekend what happens when they play a top ten caliber yeah. team. But the point I think the biggest point is even if they win, yeah, right, they got to beat Oklahoma again, and like I even if that even at that point, okay, then their resumes tanked because then they right. beat that, Oklahoma that's where twice. I get, that's where I start running into trouble. Everybody's like, well, you just you know just win and you're in. And it's like cool. Like, okay, they beat say they beat number nine Oklahoma right, right this weekend. Awesome, cool. In three in like three weeks or four weeks, whenever the Big Twelve title game is, they're gonna be number fifteen Oklahoma. Or and number then, lower, lower, potentially and lower. And if you beat that team... They're going to be number 20 or probably 25 Oklahoma. Yeah. And, then, and then maybe you're talking about... Because uh, Oklahoma's probably going to beat Oklahoma State, too. Yeah. Then it's potentially like you have two ranked wins both over the same team, but it's like number 21 Oklahoma. Yeah. And like that's the whole deal with all of this, right? Like This, mm-hmm. that's, this is where this just all gets really frustrating. Because, like, again, same deal. If Baylor beats Texas yeah. in two weeks, Texas isn't going to be ranked. No. You know, and so, like... And the other thing, too, that I think probably hurts them more than anything is that they are the opposite of the Art Bryles Baylor's team in that they have zero style points. Right. You know, they just win the game by two points. And, and, like, they all count. Mm -hmm. I I think it's perfectly fair to say, hey, you know what, like, maybe against those better teams, that might not work. Yeah. But, like, that's a lot of assumption. And the other thing, too, is, like, hey, man, you know, you look at – you look at what some of these other teams are doing, right? It's like everybody is like, oh, you know, Oregon is so much better at all these things. Well, it's like until they play their one ranked opponent that they play. Mm-hmm. You know, like w- what has Oregon done right. to yeah. necessarily Oh, my God. Or- the there. fact that Oregon is being shooed in. Right. Like they're like, oh, yeah, if Oregon wins out, they're in. Right. It's like, what? They, Why? They- their best win's a loss. Well, <laughs> their best win is a loss. Their their next ranked win will be their first ranked win, right? You know, and and they'll play Utah most likely in the title game, mm-hmm. um, and that's that would be a legit win, yeah. But it would also be one legit win versus you know not a whole lot of very other legit. No, wins. like their one, their right now their run one ranked win, yeah, was Washington, 
Sure. Who's six and four? Is Washington ranked? They were. Oh, uh, they, they were twenty. The they, they were twenty fifth, right Again. at the time. Yeah. Since they've literally lost to every ranked team they've played, except USC, who was ranked at the time, which they're not very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Oregon. But, but Oregon's one of those teams that's like, oh yeah, if they went out, they win the Pac-12. They're yeah, in. It's they're like, in. why? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. have they done? Right. Except lose to Auburn again. Their best win is a loss. Right. Um, I I don't understand where the argument for Oregon over Baylor comes in. And right yeah. now they're in position. If they went yeah. out, they're getting in. Right. <laughs> well, and and even we talk so much about resume and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, if we're going off of straight resume. Why is Oklahoma ahead of Baylor? Fair enough. You know, because Baylor beat the team that beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And Oklahoma doesn't have a very good win to offset that. Right. You know, like, because, for example, if, if if Oklahoma plays Ohio State in the non-conference and wins mm-hmm. and then loses to Kansas State, obviously that's a totally different situation. Right. But it's so much of a style point thing at this point. And, like, sure, maybe that matters. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. It, like, you look at that. Uh, people obviously bring up that Rice game a lot. Yeah. You know, and fair. But, like. That game was never in doubt. No. You know, like, anybody watching that game was like, Rice is literally, like, being choked to death. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and again, like you've talked about before, this is like early Saban Alabama, mm-hmm. right? Where it's, it's probably a little bit more explosive on offense. And, and yeah. obviously not as dominant on defense. Right, right, but, right. like, stylistically, where, yeah. you know, they're going to hold on to the ball. They're going to choke you. They're going to make you not be able to do anything they're gonna We're up 10 this game's over <laughs> right the score is 9-9 we're gonna win this football game right you know the score is is 17-14 you're not scoring again mm-hmm. you know and and like i understand that you know what as, as somebody who watches this team every week too it's like why aren't you pulling away right you know i i get that part of it but the reality is after nine games this isn't a coincidence anymore right, right. like you don't have nine coincidences in a row like at some point you're a good team and I don't know. I mean, and we'll see what happens against Oklahoma because Oklahoma right. is also a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, and Baylor could very well lose to Oklahoma. And here's the other issue, too, is that if Baylor loses to Oklahoma, I could see them falling to, like, 22. You know, like, they're going to be in the group of five tier. It's really, yeah, their, their fall is going to be massive. And, and yeah. I, and that's insane to me. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like you look at what Baylor's done this year. And I'm not making a playoff case for them. I want to be very clear. No. Like, I don't think that they're that good. I think we're just... We don't see the path for them to get in, right? When there should be a path, for there them should to get be. In. If you're if they're going to be an undefeated Power Five champion, right. potentially, like there should be a path for them to get like, in. Like I'll acknowledge, there are six teams that I think quality wise deserve yeah. to play for a playoff. But with the with the resume and the 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 talking points that the committee loves to throw yeah. out, resume, eye test, all right. this stuff, right? Baylor's winning games. Baylor is 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 controlling games. They're yeah. unbeaten. <clears throat> They're dominant. They're they're running through a Power Five conference, right? Yeah, and I still don't see a path for them to get yeah. in. Yeah, and that's the problem. No one's saying Baylor needs to jump Clemson or Penn State right. or even or even Georgia, right? No right. one's saying that that needs to happen. But the fact that where they're at right now at twelfth, yeah, with Auburn, Florida, Oklahoma, Utah, Oregon, all before you punch into that top six, right. I don't see a way where they get in, and that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately too, I understand. For example, like Alabama's been really good against not very good teams this year, right? Yeah. Like they've dominated them in a way that even I don't think that they've necessarily dominated teams before, right? Mm-hmm. Because they play a style of offense that's dominant. Yeah. Uh, and they play their first good team on the entire schedule and they lose. Well, like they're, and we'll see where they are in the playoff rankings, you know, but, but they're number four in the AP right now. They're mm-hmm. number four. 
that's insane. Like, I understand that their loss is good, but, like, at what point does losing good mean less <laughs> than winning games? Right. You know, and because, and, for example, somebody brought up, too, uh, I think ESPN Sam Khan, you know, put together the, the list of, like, opposing winning percentage, like, the, the opposing winning percentage of teams. I need to find a better way to say that <laughs> because that is not easy to say. Yeah. But basically, the teams that you beat, what is their total combined uh, winning percentage? And, like, Alabama's is better, but the reason that Alabama's is better is because it has – nine and oh lsu in it mm-hmm. and if you take that away then their their winning percentage drops like five percent right you know and so it's like why do you get credit for that when you lost that game you know I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and and look i mean i i just want i just want there to be a path right and and same deal like if oregon wins out and goes you know 12 and one like they should be in the conversation for sure sure you know if they beat utah who's a top 10 opponent and and end up there they should have a a, a case and and they should honestly because they're a conference champion have a better case or as good a case at least as like an alabama mm-hmm. um but the big frustration with me every single year is that the criteria seems to move to wherever the committee wants it to move. You know, there, there's not like one thing that you can do to be like, okay, this is how we can prove it. Yeah. Because the other thing too, is that look at Clemson, right? I mean, you know, Clemson again has been more dominant for sure than Mm -hmm. what Baylor has been, but Baylor's also played a tougher conference schedule so far. And so like, and again, I'm not saying that Baylor should be ahead of Clemson by any means, but right. they should be closer to that caliber <clears throat> yeah. than another team. So, I don't know. I mean, look, this is going to be a conversation all year. And you know what? <laughs> Maybe Baylor just becomes the UCF of 2019, right. except from an actual Power 5 conference. <laughs> which, by the way, if UCF went undefeated this year, especially in the uh, American West and didn't get into the playoff. Man, like, if, that's if, a if, legitimate gripe. <laughs> and actually, actually, you know, same deal. If, if SMU had gone through this, this schedule undefeated Mm -hmm. and not gotten top five you know not been at least on like the first two outs yep i would have gone we are right here in this city their office is right there in uh they're in irving right or grapevine something like that we would have gone there and burned the whole place (laughs) down so oh man i don't know i i really should not get this mad about playoff rankings every single year but that's why they have them i was about to say that's why why that's literally why they exist i just want there to be like i just want there to be clarity yeah i want to feel like if I can watch these teams, like, what's the point of playing the games otherwise? Right. And to me, <clears throat> this might sound sacrilege, but this is why I didn't really have a big issue with the BCS, right? Now, if you wanted to have sure. a playoff using the BCS, that, yeah. I would have been cool with that. Yeah. Um, the, the issue to me wasn't the fact that the B- – it wasn't the BCS. It was the yeah. fact that the BCS was picking one game. Yeah. Right? It was the fact that we didn't have this this 14 playoff. Sure. If the BCS were to come out – and say, like, hey, these are the four best teams. I was like, okay, cool. They, yep. The BCS, the, the computer metrics have looked yep. at these teams and said, boom, 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 boom. These are the four best teams. Here's yeah. why. Here's the, re- here's the criteria. All this stuff. That would have made more sense to me than <clears throat> a committee of people with arbitrary decisions right. and, like, these buzzwords like, like resume and, and yeah. you know, My God, quality losses. Right like, what's going on outside. I know, right? This wind <laughs> is killing me. Um, but, like, yeah, like these buzzwords like quality losses and, and – you know, resume, all this stuff. That's where it gets frustrating because yeah. I don't know where this comes from. At least with the BCS, it was like, okay, 
sure, do we believe that Ohio State should have jumped Clemson and are probably playing LSU for the national title? Right. I don't know, but here's the criteria that they looked at. Right. They definitely looked at strength of schedule. They definitely looked at right. uh, uh, style points and dominating wins. Right. Here's what here's uh, X, Y, and Z. But people didn't like that. They didn't right. like computers making the decision. Right. So now I have a room full of people making it for them, and now they're even more frustrated. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, man. I, I'll never really get over this, honestly. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Ultimately, just win football games. And you know what? At the end of the day, college football is entertainment. And, yep. like, uh, you know what? If you're a Baylor fan and you go to nine games and they just keep winning, and if you go to 13 games and they just keep winning, and if you go to a bowl game and they just keep winning, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that sounds like tons of fun. So, uh, honestly, the the other thing about the BCS that I think uh, I think Kirk Ferentz basically said this um, in, in, in this great article that was written by Heather Dinich. Mm-hmm. He was basically like, now there's so much focus on the playoff and on the national title that it like devalues anything that's not the national title. And I think that we've seen it with Texas A&M, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Because Texas A&M's like, if we don't win a national championship, then literally my entire life has been a waste of time. Right. You know? And like, that's not true. You know, there's so many great reasons to watch college football. Like, there have been... Like, are you, are you telling me that, that watching Johnny wasn't worth it? Right. Or, you know, that that getting to, you know, beat Texas and, and ruin a season wasn't worth it. It's like, these are all fun things that like are why we watch college football and it shouldn't have to all be about a national championship. I, I say every year, I, you know, I went to Baylor and, you know, I was there in 2013 and 14 and 2013 when there was the BCS and Baylor won the big 12, people were so excited. Yeah. And when, and in 2014, when Baylor won the big 12 became the second team ever to win consecutive big 12 titles, they were furious because they got left out of the playoff. They didn't get to enjoy the Big 12 title. Yeah. And, look, ultimately, like, that's one of the reasons that I really like Group of Five right now is because the national title just doesn't matter. Like, who cares? No, nobody has a shot at it anyway, so who cares? Like, why, why not just have fun and, you know, talk about what Derek King is doing or what, you know, what Mason Fine is doing? That's just a lot more fun in a lot of ways. But anyway... This is all so off topic, so we apologize for that. But uh, but look, man, these playoff rankings just always get me worked up, uh, and we'll have another round tomorrow night. So that should be great. <laughs> anyway, thank you to everybody for joining us uh, again. The College Power Poll: number twelve Rice, number eleven UTEP, number ten UTSA, number nine Texas State, number eight North Texas, number seven Houston, number six Texas Tech, number five TCU, number four Texas A&M, number three Texas, number two SMU, and the number one undefeated Baylor Bears. Whew. All right. Hey, so I saw that you saw a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball out on Bookstance. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, again, our distribution is a lot less than the football magazine. Yeah. But uh, if the stores are carrying, if your store is carrying it, it should be there now. Great, great. Where did you see it? Uh, I was at the Kroger, right at off Kroger. MacArthur. So. All right, all right. At Kroger. So, so in we, Irving, Texas, for people listening. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so we're let's see. We do uh, so Krogers. We do HEBs. Mm-hmm. We do Walmart. I mean, major retailers. Major retailers, you know, basically. Like yeah. yeah. So, I mean, check it out again. And if if you can't find it, TexasBasketball.com slash store. Really easy to order. We'll get it to you as soon as we can. Uh, and, and again, if you aren't as yet, become a subscriber of Dave Campbell's Texas Football as well. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. If you're a high school fan, we're going to have a crazy amount of content up the next couple of weeks. I think we're, I, I don't know if I'm letting people in too much. I think we're doing a bracketology segment right now mm-hmm. where we, uh, we pushed people out of the studio to be able to do this while they were, <laughs> while they were filming it. I know Ish, you'll be a part of that too. So keep an eye out for TexasFootball.com. Um, but yeah, whew. The last couple of weeks of the year. 
we're starting to figure out what these teams are, I think. I mean, I think that we're starting to see that, like, the power pole is starting to section itself off and kind of make some sense finally. So, all right. A lot of big games coming up. College game day coming to Waco this week. Make sure and watch. Uh, And we will talk to you guys again, I guess, in two days on Wednesday.